How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. The playoffs are done. The season is over. The Atlanta Braves are your World Series champion. First of all, our throwback baseball stat of the week is our one-year anniversary of our first episode has passed. Forget baseball stats. How about that one? Yeah, I can't believe it. Honestly, uh, it's funny when we uh, came up with the idea of this show, Derek, and... uh, you had uh, mentioned to me, yeah, we'll we'll do it in the the start of the 2021 season, and then uh, obviously one thing led to another, and uh, the Dodgers ended up continuing to move on, and we were like, nah, we we need to start this at the World <laughs> Series, and so so of course that's what we did, and uh, you know, little did we know, I mean, this is our 39th episode, um, so our uh, our 40th coming up as well. I mean, like uh, very proud of the work we've done, and. Um, you know, still a lot more to come, and uh, uh, we got a we got a couple surprises coming your way too in the near future as well. So excited about that! But uh, yeah, uh, happy happy one year anniversary of the uh, the B and B DJ. That's right, and then we do actually have a real like throwback stat of the week. Do you want to go over? Yeah, that? yeah. So you know, normally with these throwback stats, we have gone back what almost a hundred years at times. This mm-hmm. time we're not going to go back nearly that far. Although for Yankees fans, you could make the argument. It feels like that um, on this day and this day being November the 4th of 2009, baseball was still being played. Uh, that was of course in the world series and more importantly, one of the greatest pitchers in our generation and in our era, really, Pedro Martinez made his final start in baseball history. It was in the World Series, as I mentioned, for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, that was in Game 6. That was actually his second start also in the World Series. He pitched in Game 2 of that World Series. Pedro claimed he had the swine flu uh, after that World Series took place, along with other teammates as well. Uh, and of course it's easy to make some excuses up too, but that, that's a pretty big one right there. And, uh, in game six, he lasted only four innings, uh, after he claimed he had an asthma attack. So an asthma attack, swine flu, he was 37 years old, gave up four runs, including a two run home run to here's a throwback name, Hideki Matsui. 
uh, and striking mm. out five as well uh, in that game. Andy Pettit, another throwback name, got the win in the 7-3 to victory as the Yankees won the title that game. Uh, active players in that game, well, that included Brett Gardner, and you could technically make the argument Robinson Cano is still active, uh, and they were with the Yankees. J.A. Happ for the Phillies, but... Uh, yeah, the craziest thing to me, Derek, is that was the way that Pedro Martinez uh, left the game of baseball. And I think the perfect transition to that as well would be, and I know this one is uh, kind of hitting home for you, uh, Buster Posey uh, officially mm-hmm. announcing that this is the end of the line for him as well. And, that, you know, in 10 years from now, we'll say 10 years ago, Buster Posey announced his retirement. So uh, as a Giants fan and just a fan of baseball, I mean, uh, what are your emotions like that after uh, kind of thinking about the way Pedro went out? And is this the right time for Posey to go out? Yeah, first of all, I honestly did not even remember Pedro Martinez. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Being on the Phillies. I completely forgot that that even happened. Um, I, I am uh, I'm, I'm a little blindsided in, in, in this year. And he, they adopted two kids. He has four kids now. Big family. Has golden retrievers. Uh, Stacy, my wife, loves following him on Instagram. Um, and she told me now she is way less interested in the Giants, that Posey will not be on the <laughs> team. So that's unfortunate. Um, He's but lost there. That's not, yeah, that's not an ultra surprise that maybe he would sit out the year and think that, you know, um, I'm enjoying being a dad. I'm enjoying some of the things outside of baseball and I'm enjoying not getting beat up every day in the game. So you come back for one last year, you have a great season and maybe at some point along the way you think, you know, this is going to be the last ride. It is unfortunate that I wish we would have had maybe more of a notice that we could have appreciated it more because it does feel a little out of the blue. The fact that, you know, he still is just 34. Like you see Yadier Molina playing into you know, what seems like he's going to be like the Tom Brady of catchers, so to speak. And uh, with Posey, you come off a season in which you're an all-star. You have a resurgent year, maybe, honestly, your best hitting year uh, since you won the MVP. He hit over 300. You think that, well, there's, yeah, you think there's still plenty of gas in the tank, uh, but, you know, more power to you. I mean, he, he's turning down a $22 million. Now, it's it's a mutual option, so the team would have to accept it as well, but I think they would have, given that, you know, it's Buster Posey. Um, but you're turning down a $22 million option to retire. That shows you that clearly his heart is wanting to retire. Like, this isn't just a, a thing where it's a close decision. And I, I think that just adds to kind of the grace of Buster Posey. Like, there's never been like a bad word spoken about Buster Posey and the fact that, you know, as much as I would have liked kind of a retirement tour as a fan, I also am glad that there wasn't one. Like I I don't really love that whole, you know, getting attention to me type of thing. And um, the fact that um, he's just going to kind of go out like this, where it's kind of a surprise seems very much in line with who he is as a person and, and a player. So really sad. Uh, we'll always have the memories. It's just a little faster than I expected to be. Um, and uh, game five, Cincinnati Reds, 2012, coming back down 2-0 in the NLDS, hitting the Grand Slam. That'll always be my favorite Posey memory, but there's been so many. Yeah, uh, and, you know, as a Dodgers fan, he's obviously torched the Dodgers for years, but uh, he's a big loss for the game of baseball. And, uh, you know, I think this leads directly into another thing that, 
you know, he's probably sitting at home right now with four kids, also kind of going crazy. So he instead he has this beer not for here. Um, this is what I'm drinking here at uh we're we're doing this recording by the way, I wanna add, uh at nine o'clock Derek's time and seven AM now mine. And so that is the perfect opportunity to have beer not for here. It is now for here. Uh but uh, Derek, while I'm taking a sip of this, uh, what are you drinking, by the way? Uh, yeah, I'm just drinking a mimosa with champagne. I figured anything with champagne on the precipice of the World Series would just make a lot of sense. And uh, I wish that champagne would have been an honor for Buster Posey. By the way, if you're looking for like a you know, fantasy reaction or, or what this means for Buster Posey next year, obviously Joey Bart all of a sudden gets circled and skyrocketed up. Um, I don't know what the Giants are going to do with Kurt Casale, but they had an insane record. It was like something like 48 and 12 or something like that when Kurt Casale started. And I don't think that was, you know, all just because Kurt Casale was great or anything. Like he had fine stats for a backup catcher, I guess. Um, but I do think they'll sign somebody. Like I don't think Joey Bart's going to be the only starter. Who knows if the DH comes into play? But certainly Joey Bart's going to see a much bigger role for this that's team. A, this that's year. really good insight, actually. And yeah, Casale, just one of those guys that fit into the mold of uh, what ended up becoming almost an Island of Misfit Toys part four for the Giants. If you go back to the, the three titles that Posey ended up winning, it was weird waking up this morning as a Dodgers fan for that reason to see that, you know, the guy that you basically grew up uh, or that we grew up, you know, watching and, and as a Dodgers fan, maybe not loving so much, but still respecting. Um, the other guy that I think Giants fans kind of look at the other way would be Clayton Kershaw, and he's, he's now officially a free agent. So uh, the times are changing here as we head into the 2022 season. And uh, But yeah, that's that's a pretty huge loss for Major League Baseball. And, and hopefully somehow, some way, Buster Posey still gets the respect. Uh, and uh, so honored in some way, shape, or form that he totally deserves. Three titles uh, for one of the greatest catchers that we've seen over the last, uh, gener- really this past generation. Yep. All right, so our playoff recap after that, the Braves uh, got through the Dodgers in six, the Astros got through the Red Sox in six, and then the Braves finished off the Astros in game six down in Houston. The only series that ended up going to the uh conclusion was game five Dodgers Giants which uh, that's a little fitting I guess that that happened but also just funny that neither team ended up winning the World Series I I really do think that there is something to be said about the fact that the Dodgers and the Giants like pushed themselves so hard between the two of them in the regular season and in that postseason series that I really do think there was a lot of fatigue to be had there and that I, I think even if the Giants would have beat the Dodgers, like I still think the Braves would have advanced. And the Braves actually uh, beat up the Giants in, in a series earlier this year anyway. That I still think the Braves would have won the World Series, but I, I definitely think that factored in. But the Atlanta Braves, such a deserving champion, and to come back from where they were, a team that was you know below 500 at the All-Star break, a team that loses Ronald Acuna midway through the year, a team that people were asking, why are they making trades to be a buyer when they made small deals to get guys like Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall? And I think the best thing that came out of this was that, you know, it's good to be a buyer. You don't have to be the biggest buyer. Like, you don't have to be the team that goes out and gets Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. At the very least, 
if you're even in it, if you're even around 500, just make a, a trade for a couple guys, right? Even if they're low-term buys because you never know what's going to happen and it's better to at least have a chance to contend and throw your chances in there because how many Braves teams have we seen that have been one of the best teams in the MLB that haven't won it. And then of all teams, it's this team to win the world. It's Series. Uh, honestly, we, we were talking a couple podcast episodes ago about, you know, if a team wins, other teams are going to try and copy that formula, right? Well, maybe this is the one that mm. a lot of other teams next year and years to come follow. Uh, I mean, this, this is, uh, you just kind of laid it out there perfectly, Derek. The way that they went about their business, I, I can honestly say I go down as so incorrect about this Braves team the entire season. Um, I was one of those people at the deadline that said, why the heck are the Braves making moves right now? Like, like what what are they doing? They had no chance. They're the latest blooming World Series title champion to uh, to have made it into, you know, uh, the positive uh, over 500 integer. And that, that's crazy to me that it was August 6th, I believe. Um, I want to think about also just kind of looking at who their MVPs were over the postseason, right? You had Jock Peterson, who essentially led them in the NLDS past the Brewers, had multiple key home runs in that one. Then in the NLCS, Eddie Rosario went unconscious, right? Eddie Rosario was just unbelievable this entire postseason, but especially the NLCS, that guy just went off on a tear. And then in the World Series, you had a mix of Adam Duvall that really went off, and then your MVP, of course, that was Jorge Soler. All four of those guys... Uh, minus technically Adam Duvall, um, but like at the start of the season, Duvall with the Marlins, right? Um, all four of those guys were not Atlanta Braves, uh, right? They they were the acquisitions at the deadline, and they were all quiet, low-key acquisitions, and they all gave something more than what the Braves had initially. Um, I was listening to MLB Network Radio, so I'll quote them for this one, and they basically talked about Jock Peterson and how the moment he stepped into the locker room, you know, he recognized very quickly that it was kind of dead, uh, that there was just not a lot of energy. And if there's one thing Jock Peterson can do as a guy that's seen him with LA, he can revolutionize the locker room. Now, the the whole pearls thing, uh, the the frosted tips, all that stuff, that's just, I guess you could almost say the new Manny being Manny, Jock being Jock kind of thing that... Uh, you know, that just kind of came out of the blue, but typical jock finding a new way to uh, find himself to be a borderline iconic person. Meg the Stallion, of course, calling him out of all players uh, in her little World Series preview. That It just it seems to go hand in hand, I swear, with that guy. Um, and uh, But good for jock, good for the, the Braves as a whole with the acquisitions they made. Um, and also crazy that they were able to win this game you know, game six on the road, the home team in the World Series has not won the title since 2013, meaning the deciding game, of course, has not won the World Series since 2013 when the Red Sox did it for the first time in their history uh, back in 2013 at home. Um, so, Derek, when you look at this World Series, a lot of interesting moments, it kind of, for me, went pretty quickly. What what to you was the most memorable? <laughs> Honestly, I'm probably going to remember this as the Charlie Morton pitch 
16 or 17 times, whatever the number was, on a broken fibula. And then my favorite part of it was afterwards, he apologized to his teammates. Like, dude, you pitched 16 or 17 times on a broken fibula. Like, you don't have to apologize. By the way, there was actually a girl in... Uh, Kansas in like the lowest classification of, I, I don't know, that doesn't matter, but just like really small school. So I, I don't think it's gotten like huge blow up is basically my point. Um, who runs cross country and she like fell on the stairs at school and she was like, ah, this hurts a little, but like the state cross country meet was over the weekend. So she's like, oh, I'll go to the doctor later. Like, it'll be fine. She ends up winning the state cross country meet, like by a, a good amount of distance and then goes to the doctor after, and she ran it on a fracture. No way. So, oh, my God. Um, absolutely wild. Anyway, that, that reminded me of that. But, yeah, the, the Charlie Morton thing will definitely uh, come into play for me. The other thing is just because I'm, you know, uh, stationed here in the area where it's Royals country, uh, the fact that you have Terrence Gore winning his third World Series. I posed this on uh, my radio show the other day. Like, who would you rather have the career of? Who would you rather be? Terrence Gore, who occasionally comes in to like pinch run, very rarely hits, uh, occasionally comes in to play some defense and has won three World Series, or Matthew Slater, who is the like special teams gunner guru for the Patriots. He's won three Super Bowls, and basically all he does is cover special teams, is just these like role players. But uh, he, he's one guy. And then uh, Jorge Soler, the fact that, I mean, he was hitting below the Mendoza line for the Royals. And if. The Royals would have DFA'd him. It would not have come at, like, that big of a surprise. And, uh, you know, there were fans here, I remember, just being like, if you could get anything for Jorge Soler, you take it. And, and there would be other people who would argue and say, you're not going to get anything for Jorge Soler with the way he's playing. And then they got something from the Braves, and it was like, wow, I can't believe they even got anything. And then turns out that he ended up, and again, he was a free agent at the end of this year, so it's not like him being World Series MVP would have helped the Royals at all. But it's just funny how Jorge Soler goes from being that down in the dumps to all of a sudden winning World Series MVP, and I, I just think that's kind of a really Yeah, they're cool the, you know, and transitioning with that too for me, I mean, Soler probably has the most a memorable single moment in the world series for me, which was when he hit the ball out of the entire Houston stadium, basically repeating what Albert Pujols did against the Astros uh, years ago. I mean, it was the same spot over the train tracks, absolute bullet. And basically when that moment hit, you, you kind of had the feeling that this was it, right? Like you kind of had the feeling that the series is over uh, the Braves are feeling it. The Astros fans aren't. And just to, to do it in front of the Houston fans was pretty awesome. Um, it, it just it felt like a very fitting, poetic ending uh, on both ends. And so I, I love that. You also have Dansby Swanson, the Georgia guy, uh, making the last out, throwing it to Freddie Freeman, the heart and soul of the Atlanta Braves. So that was a pretty cool and poetic ending as a whole in that game. Uh, and, and the other thing I am going to remember is obviously, you know, what's crazy. Freddie Freeman's going to be a free agent. Um, a lot of big names, uh, being free agents this year. I'll never forget Joe Buck's call where Freddie Freeman hits a very clutch home run in game six. And Joe Buck decides this is the right time to talk about Freddie Freeman's contract situation, saying that that might be his final hit. I know Twitter blew up about that, but, but I'll remember this is the series that Freddie Freeman really stepped up and, uh, as a leader of the Braves, helped lead them on the field and also obviously uh, was a key asset off the field. And um, 
I was there in the press room uh, during the NLCS and listened to Freddie Freeman talk and uh, a soundbite that's been used over and over. Uh, he was asked the question about, you know, Atlanta sports, there's a narrative. What what the heck is going on here? Like, like you guys just lost to the Dodgers in game five. It has to go back to Atlanta. Like, are we going to repeat this narrative? And, you know, Freddie Freeman basically said, no, we're, we're, our job is to kill the narrative. And this World Series, they straight up killed the narrative. Uh, Max Freed, incredible performance in game six. Uh, you can make the argument. I mean, Ian Anderson had maybe one of those. Dude, he's been so oh, good in the playoffs. So last good. Year. And, and Ian Anderson was just dirty. I mean, like, completely dominant in game three. Uh, I think game three is going to be the one that a lot of people forget about. And, you know, five no-hit innings, uh, then gets yanked. Uh, Matzik, the way that Matzik pitched, I, I will never forget the dominance, uh, uh, the way that he pitched in that. And then how about Travis Darno stepping up, um, you know, when he really hadn't produced much this season. So there, there's a lot of memories for me. The solo memory will obviously be uh, Solaire, but this, this might actually, like, looking back on it, this may be more of a memorable World Series than I thought it would be initially. Uh, there's not a lot of memorable moments from the Houston side, really. They they did a, they were able to scrape away two wins, but there's nothing particularly for me that I sit back and I'm like, man, uh, Houston did this really really well. And uh, I think part of it's because the Braves, for the most part, even though it did go six, outside of that game five that Houston made that comeback run. Uh, that that was an impressive performance. What what they did in Game Five to to have their backs against the wall in an elimination game. Houston Houston did a good job being able to force that Game Six. But overall, this was the Brave series to lose uh, from the very start. Literally, when Jorge Soler opened it up with a solo home run, and uh, you know yeah. they, this was an impressive series for them. Yeah, uh, as far as what part might be forgotten that. I don't think should. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about the the Braves, a couple of their bullpen arms. Tyler Matzek was money all postseason and in the World Series as well. Overall for the postseason, f- almost a 14K per nine, whip under one, 1.72 ERA. Clutch again in the World Series. And then how about Will Smith? Will Smith in 11 appearances, 11 innings, five hits allowed, three walks, zero runs, he had a zero ERA across the postseason and a zero ERA, obviously, in the World Series. And, and here is something that I don't want to be forgotten. The San Francisco Giants traded away Will Smith to the Milwaukee Brewers to get Mauricio Dubon. Um, and they also gave up, uh, I think, Ray Black, the guy who threw like 103, 104, but couldn't throw a strike. Um what I think is interesting, and I think he was a free agent at the end of that year, so who knows? They, they might not have ended up re-signing him. But let's just say, hypothetically, the Giants didn't trade Will Smith, and then they end up re-signing him at the end of the year. There's a very real chance that things are very different, like the ripple effect that causes the last two years. Because last year, in the shortened season, the Giants went 29-31. and 31. And if they would have won one more game... They would have been in the playoffs. And the very last game of the season, as well as the very first game and a handful of other games, they had bullpen troubles a season ago, and they blew a lot of saves. If Will Smith's your closer, maybe you don't blow those saves and you get into the playoffs. H- how does that affect this whole Dodgers-Giants rivalry where you have the one-versus-eight seed would have been the Giants-Dodgers, and I still would have picked the Dodgers, but like the Astros that year made it to the ALCS at 29-31. and 31. 
And I think what we saw from the Giants this year showed that maybe there was more than the 29 and 31 team showed. Um, then this year, if they would have had Will Smith, it was Camilo Duvall, who I still think is going to be really good. He's going to be so good. High hopes He's going to be so But that would have been Will Smith's inning, not Camilo Duvall. And does Will Smith not allow the game-winning hit to Cody Bellinger, right, at the end of that game? How does that affect that, and how does that affect the Braves in the World Series? I just think that would be a very interesting ripple in time, how big of a transaction that ended up being of Will Smith traded away from the Giants, then becoming a free agent, then signing. Yeah, I like that one actually a lot. Um, And it just goes to show that, you know, one little move can really change the course. And, and for the Braves, I mean, you can make the argument several moves change the course of uh, their future, you know. And uh, I, I think the the moment for me that will be forgotten that, that shouldn't be, and it's just simply because of going back to that game five that Houston was able to for, you know, force that game six. That Adam Duvall grand slam uh, that was in the first inning, I mean, to see the way that Truist Park just absolutely exploded, right? For me, out of all the moments this season, in a year where we just reopened, right? Uh, following a year where COVID took the entire storyline, all we were talking about is uh, very little, no fans. The first time we saw fans were in the NLCS last year. And to see the stadium explode and to, to just, at that moment, it didn't matter what was going on outside of that stadium you know like like all that mattered was the fact that people there were together for one common goal and that was to see their Atlanta Braves win it all um there there was this whole discussion about the chop and whatnot at that moment it just did not matter you know it was the fact that their Atlanta Braves were one win away from winning it all at home and Duvall at that moment had the biggest hit probably in the series and yeah Houston came back and that's why it may be forgotten but look at the way that fans play a role in sports. Um, and to me, I don't want that moment to be overshadowed because the Astros won that one game. Uh, oftentimes, the best moments in series are overshadowed because of that. And and that may have been the moment of the series was Duvall's Grand Slam. And I, I thought the series was over then. Hats off to the Astros for keeping it alive. Uh, but man, the, to see the way that that fan base just overjoyed loud shaking the stadium I mean you could see on TV the stadium was shaking it it just goes to show how important it is to have true fans and 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 why you know baseball is so special right it can all come down to one pitch one moment and uh you know that could have been the iconic moment for the Braves had they won the World Series on that day uh but man that was that was the one moment that the fans really had that was their last true moment uh at home and uh then of course you see them win the world series the next game and uh the battery was just absolutely wild right so they obviously had their moment to still go nuts uh but that that was really cool um and i don't think anybody should forget that moment just because the braves lost that one game absolutely all right we got a fun little uh, hypothetical here over the last 10 teams to win a World Series, so the teams have won it over the last decade. Like, how would you pick the Braves against some of these other teams? Obviously, the Braves only won 88 regular season games. If the Braves would have been in the NL Central, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs in general. But they get hot at the right time, still have a really good team, obviously. Uh, How would you peg them against some of the past World Series They remind me a lot of 
either the 2011 Cardinals, uh, because the 2011 Cardinals had a very similar dynamic where they had some star power, but it was a lot of missing pieces against uh, the Rangers, I believe, were pretty heavily favored in that World Series uh, in 2011. And they just kept battling back, obviously. And uh, maybe not exactly the way that the Cardinals had to in the sense that the Cardinals were literally down to their final strike twice. Uh, but uh, the the same similar build of the team, um, I, I would say that there's a combo when you look back and forth to that. Lance Berkman played a huge role for the Cardinals in that World Series. And obviously you, you mentioned the, the additions of uh, these guys. Uh, for the the Braves, that's something similar. I mean, you could make the argument, uh, and you could probably dig deeper into this one, which of the Giants' three World Series titles that you want, but this team was very similar to how the Giants kind of built. Maybe it's not Island of Misfit Toys, per se. Uh, there's still a lot of star power on this, uh, you know, Braves team, but I do think that just those Island of Misfit Toys that they acquired that's what really did it for them here. And so I, I wouldn't compare this team to the Dodgers of 2020. Uh, the Nationals of 2019, though, may be, for me, the biggest comp. And the reason why was because it seemed like the season was lost for both teams, right? The Nationals went into it as a wild card. And for the Braves, yeah, they didn't go as a wild card, but they basically barely pulled it out against the Phillies in their own division. As you mentioned, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs. Um, so they just barely survived getting into the postseason, but they caught fire at the right time. And think about Howie Kendrick, what he did for the Nationals, right? Similar situation with uh, the whole, you know, quad group of Solaire and Peterson and Duvall and Rosario. And so... Um, that, that to me would be the biggest comp is the 2019 nationals. I think very similar teams caught fire at the right time, figured it out at the right time. Great pitching led into it as well. Um, the dominant performance from freed in game six just reminds me of kind of how obviously you look back at that world series and Scherzer and Strasburg were really, really good. So, um, that, that, that's probably my biggest comp. What about you? Well, I would, if I was, like, picking them against the teams, I think I might take them over that 2011 Cardinals team. Like, I, I think they could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in terms of the pitching. And then, yeah, like you said, it's just kind of like some stars. Uh, I don't know, like Lance Berkman, Alan Craig. I don't know if he was ever a star, but he had a couple really good years in there. Um, Matt Holliday, so forth for the Cardinals. I, I think I'd go the Braves. The 2012 Giants one is interesting because you like the lineup way better for the Braves. The Giants just didn't hit home runs that year. Like, that was maybe the last great team that just didn't hit home runs. Um, Buster Posey hit 24 home runs for that Giants team. Nobody else hit That's above 12 on that 2012 Giants team. It just it was a different way of playing. They were just more of a, a contact-hitting team. The thing is, with the Giants that year, you have, you know, uh, Cy Young level, um, Matt Cain. You have Madison Bumgarner coming into his own. Ryan Vogelsong was a really good player. Uh, that was kind of the outs of Tim Lincecum, um, but Barry Zito had turned back into like a solid player, and the bullpen was so clutch. Like Casilla, Affelt, Romo, Javier Lopez were so good in the postseason. So I don't know where I'd go with that one because I think the Braves, roster wise and lineup wise, are going to match up better I if agree. you just look at it head to head. But that Giants team was so resilient that year. They came back from 2 0 in the NLDS, they came back from 3 1 in the NLCS. So I, I don't know. That one would probably be a toss up to me. That 2013 Red Sox team, I, I still like don't understand how that team won 97 games and won the World Series. When you look at that roster, it's like 
Jared Saltalamacchia, Mike Napoli, Dustin Pedroia at that time was solid, but he had 787 OPS, so it wasn't like MVP level Pedroia. Um, Steven Drew, Will Middlebrooks, Johnny Gomes, Jacoby Ellsbury, Shane Victorino. Yes, David Ortiz was an absolute stud. And then you have guys off the bench like Daniel Nava, Mike Carp. Like, none of these are names that are like, oh, you know, those were amazing players. It, it was a very so, unforgettable it, World Series champ, actually. And, of course, David Ortiz was the MVP of that World Series. Yeah. He's the one guy that, that sticks up. But, like, even if you look at, like, the, the starting rotation, it's like John Lester, obviously really good. But then John Lackey, Ryan Dumpster, <laughs> Felix, or Dempster. <laughs> <laughs> Felix Dubront and Clay uh, Buckholtz, cool. which just like I I don't know that that's that just was a the weird Clay World Buckholtz Series year, team. right? The the year that Buckholtz really broke yeah. out though. He went twelve and one with a one seven four right. ERA in sixteen games. He was always hurt, but when he was pitching, who he, was their he was closer really that year? Because their um, closer was really good as well. Yes, there Koji Uehara was awesome that year, and that obviously really helped. And I guess that was kind of the emergence uh, a little bit with Andrew Miller in the bullpen. So that definitely helps. I mean, it's a, it's a good team. They obviously won the World Series. I just that one is almost like an island of misfit toys. It felt like a year where the the Red Sox just kind of made a bunch of great like one year or short term additions in free agency. That team honestly is a little reminiscent of this year's Giants team. Obviously, they didn't win the World Series, but just kind of like weird pieces that fit together but I don't know you could convince me to take the Braves in that one just roster wise um 2014 Giants another weird one like overall the Braves have the better roster and, and the better lineup and everything but um Madison Bumgarner's pitching two and a half games in that series like he did in the World Series if it goes to seven and uh the Braves had a 732 OPS against lefties this year Madison Bumgarner in that 2014 World Series and just in general was unstoppable so it's not that the Giants have to be better than the Braves, but if Madison Bumgarner gives you two wins or three if he pitches that game seven again, then can the Giants just win one right. of the other four or five games, right? So I, I don't know what to do with that one either. I would take the 2015 Royals. You have the back end of that bullpen, elite. The starting pitching was just kind of you know solid but wasn't great, but then they had such good contact hitters. 2016 Cubs, probably take them. Take that 2017 Astros team, 2018 Red Sox won like 100 games. Nationals, I take them because of the starting pitching, Juan Soto, Trey Turner, all those guys. And then obviously I take last year's Dodgers team. So um, they're not like the worst World Series champ over the last decade. And honestly, who cares? If you're a Braves fan, like you won the World Series, who cares where you rank in the precipice of like all-time history and everything? Uh, but I don't think they're like Yeah, the I, I actually completely agree with every take. I would say just going off the list really quickly – I would take this Braves team over the Cardinals. Uh, I would probably take them over the 2012 Giants, but as you mentioned, probably take the 2014 Giants over this team. Uh, the Red Sox, I, I could be – I'm indifferent. I, I feel like that Red Sox team, from my re recollection, Napoli was unconscious that year. Salto Lamaki was having clutch hits. Like that, that team just knew how to win, so I honestly would probably take that Red Sox team over this. But this Braves team knows how to win too. So uh, like, like you said, it, it really – doesn't matter a ton. Uh, the Royals, I'm indifferent to that too. I think that would probably be actually the best matchup would be that 2015 Royals team with this current Braves team. I would have loved to see that combo of those two or the 2019 Nationals versus this one. Uh, I agree though. I think over the last five World Series champs, really, the Cubs, the Astros, uh, the Red Sox, Nationals, and Dodgers, I think all those were probably on paper better than this one. But, um, you know, it, it's your World Series champ. You don't have to play another team for a reason. So it's it's a fun little thing to think about where they stack over time is some of the greatest World Series champions 
Uh, but hey, guess what, Atlanta? You you don't have to face anybody else. You you guys are the champs. So congratulations to that. Mm-hmm. All right, so our playoff beer pong where we sit. You currently have hit three cups. It is my turn for the first time. We'll figure something out and we'll update this in the off season. Um, maybe uh, we'll do something with just like predictions, whether like once we get to the arbitration deadline or the. Uh, uh, non-tender deadline and make predictions of like who's going to get like tendered, it. non-tendered, maybe predictions on free agency. Although that could get a little risky because it could take like a billion months to sign him, especially with the potential lockout. It's when you're the coming. final cup. Uh, the final start. cup is always the hardest to hit, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll update that uh, through the off season, but right now you have the three cup lead there. Uh, a, a quick recap of some of our preseason picks. Uh, they're not totally in. We had our, our betting preview at the beginning of the year. Um, we're still waiting on the awards to, to come out. As of right now, Dusty is plus four and a half units. Now, if you just go based on like the record, it's it's 500. But obviously, a lot of these bets are with plus odds. So you would be basically, you know, if you bet $100, you would be up whatever, 450 uh, right now, I would be up plus 3.8 units at the moment. So still waiting on those awards, but then we'll give out drinks based on the discrepancy there. Uh, the big one for me was I had the Braves. You did as well, both winning the uh, World Series, and we got that at plus 550. So that was a big one um, for both of us. Oh, actually, I think I forgot to put in my Braves 10 to 1, so that might change it. I might have to go back and look over this. But uh, some of the other biggest win ones, the Giants over 75 and a half wins was the easiest cakewalk. How about this? You ended up taking the Dodgers over 102 and a half wins, which seemed so high, but they ended up still clearing it by over a full series worth of games. Um, Some other ones, the Nationals under 84 and a half. That was a nice winner for both of us. Mariners over 72 and a half. That was a, a stroll, an easy one for you there. Um, and then we both liked the Red Sox over 80 and a half. They ended up being a nice team to uh, perform this season, though. They ended up just missing out on maybe winning the division, which would have been a big payday for you. My favorite one that I got, I uh, I had the Royals at over 73 and a half wins. They had 74. <laughs> I, I, I thought they would have probably closer to a 500 record. I remember at the start of the season, I just liked the way they built. I, I still do like the way, by the way, the Royals are being built moving forward. Uh, I was kind of this way with the Mariners, so hopefully I don't uh, you know curse the Royals fan base here. But uh, I, I love what the Royals are doing. I love what the Tigers are doing. I think the AL Central is going to be run uh, a two-horse two race, if you will, probably in like four to five years between those two. It's the White Sox time right now. But uh, I, I think that if you keep betting the over on the Royals wins-wise, I think that total is going to continue to rise um, year in, year out until they kind of hit the precipice of what they what you saw with them in 2015. I think they're on the right track. And with Bobby Wood Jr., that's, that's going to be a fun one. So I also thought, though, that Bobby Wood Jr. would be up this year. And uh, he was my Rookie of the Year pick. So to say the least, I very much missed on that. If you look at our picks, Derek has a very decent shot right now at hitting arguably three to four of his preseason awards, having Vlad Guerrero Jr. as the AL MVP, Garrett Garrett Cole as the Cy Young, uh, Juan Soto as the NL MVP, and Dylan Carlson as the Rookie of the Year. I mean, those are four legitimate picks uh, that, you know, could potentially hit. I think Carlson's not going to win, but he'll be in the the running for that, I believe. So 
Um, mine, the only one that really stands a chance, in my opinion, would be Lance Lynn, being the uh, American League Cy Young. He definitely should be in the conversation. We'll see what the voters say. At the end of the day, it's probably going to be Robbie Ray, uh, is from my my honest guess. But both Lance Lynn and Garrett Cole with a legitimate shot there. Uh, of winning that so uh, Ian Anderson at rookie of the year too he didn't have a good enough regular season I think for him to get to that uh, if you include the postseason then that would be a different story but you can't do that so but yeah uh, we did a decent job Derek uh, if you're telling me that we were in plus odds that makes me happy so that that's that's a pretty good start man maybe we should actually throw money at this next time uh, not gambling advice of course but uh, you know that would be a uh, pretty interesting if we do that next season Absolutely. All right, so let's do a little early ones then. Off the precipice of that for 2022, a little shotgun six-pack of picks. What is your World Series? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, after looking it over, I was originally going to have a secret one for the National League with the Philadelphia Phillies, but then realizing that, yeah, they have the money, and I think they're going to make a move at this offseason that's going to be fairly significant. But just based off the team that I think is built the right way right now, I have the Red Sox winning the World Series, and I have them. It's not a sexy pick by any means. It's very very similar to what we've seen in the past. I have the Red Sox over the Dodgers. A lot of things will change this offseason, and the Dodgers are losing a lot of key pieces. Those are two organizations that you can make an argument are kind of going in a different direction heading into this free agency. Uh, the Red Sox have a lot of great young guys that are super unrated, underrated right now. Um and I'm very intrigued by the fact that they're all pretty much major league ready for the most part. Um, that that's obviously talking about uh, pieces like when you when you look at their prospect pool. Uh, you know, you had Hauk come up this last year and really step up in a big way, and uh, so that that's one that I'm excited to see develop fully. And then, of course, guys that are truly. Uh, in the minor leagues that I believe will be stepping up at this time. I mean, you could make an argument. Look at uh, what happened in the Olympics. Uh, you had a huge breakout performance. Um, Tristan. Yeah, the, you, you got to love what the uh, the Olympics brings us. And and for, for that purpose, obviously, uh, for Red Sox fans, they have a, a lot to be excited about because they saw their own man Tristan Casas go off. Uh, Jaron Duran's going to have a full season. Um, Jeter Downs is going to probably come up as well and, and produce. So I like what the Red Sox have to offer next season. I think that they're going to be a pretty complete team. They were a fairly complete team this time around, and I think that it's going to be even more so that. So I, I'll pick the Red Sox over the Dodgers. What about you? Rematch of uh, 2018, 2018 rematch. Right? Yep, yep, yep. And we almost had that this year too. Yep, I uh, am going to go with Yankees. I think based on this year, they're going to like, I think they're going to overspend in free agency to try to make up for some things that happened this year. And like, you're going to walk at the end of the offseason and be like, oh, they already have like, you know, the guys that are normally back, the current core. And they just like overpaid for Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw and like all these guys. And they're just going to like beef up the roster and try to like buy a championship. So I'm going to go with the Yankees and I'm going to go with the Padres. Making it to the World Series, Bob Melvin, the new manager, I think he'll do a much better job in there. As the manager, he'll be a calming presence for a team that definitely needs that. Let's not forget that Mike Clevenger is back. That adds a very good piece, an all-star level piece, if all is right with Clevenger, into the rotation. And I think they're going to put more emphasis this year on building up the depth. Because they had kind of the frontline guys this year, but they didn't have the depth. So when there were injuries, they couldn't overcome that. 
they'll still have the frontline guys this next year. I think if they, they focus this offseason on building that depth, uh, there's no reason to me why the Padres shouldn't be at least a playoff team, and I'll just take a shot on them on uh, uh, going far into the playoffs. A rematch of uh, so we'll 1998, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we both have a couple of rematches here. Although we could probably find a rematch for literally like every World yeah. Series, unless we went with like the Nationals and the yeah. Orioles or something like that. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, what about this one? Team that didn't make the playoffs in 2021 that will in 2022. I'll just real quick. You obviously know mine is the Padres. Yeah, I I think mine will be the, the Seattle Mariners. I think the Astros are about to head into a very tough direction here. I think Carlos Correa is on his way out. Uh, at least that's what the press conference seemed to see in his closing press conference. Um, they don't have a lot of great pitching. And to be honest, I think the Astros are pretty much used up their main prospect pool at this time. I, I think that lineup's still going to be pretty dang good, but there's not really a lot for me to look forward to with them, I guess, from a future standpoint. And so losing Correa could be a huge piece. Who's to say what they do in the offseason in terms of who they bring in? I mean, obviously, this is a very way too early projection, but. I love what the Seattle Mariners showed me this year. I think that you take that momentum into this next year and it's going to be legit. They have a young core. And so when you get the confidence that that young core has, led by Jared Kelenic, and guess what? Your guy, Julio Rodriguez, is going to be coming up next year. And so uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think the, the Mariners, believe it or not, will be a very, very sneaky pick for a guy like... You, you could see them make a move for uh, Javier Baez, um, and I, I really actually think it's a better fit than people will realize if you look on paper there. Um, they're going to make a move, I think, this offseason. I really believe it. And they have the core already there. Uh, they could use a starting pitcher. There's going to be some guys available there for them at their disposal. I'm curious. I, I really think this Mariners team is good, and I think that they could potentially overtake the Houston Astros, the A's are headed in the wrong direction. The Angels are clueless per usual. Um, and then, of course, you have the Texas Rangers that are years away from really contending. So I think this is the Mariners' moment to maybe actually crack the playoffs for the first time. And I've said this now for like seven consecutive years, but I believe it. I believe it this time. Uh, Mariners is my pick. It's like going to the roulette wheel in – Vegas and just keep putting it on like one. Oh, I've done. Eventually it'll what, be black. Mariners and White Sox. My uh, my entire last like decade, it's been Mariners and White Sox. Eventually, I'm gonna get it right. I believe it. Hey, maybe it'll be a Mariners White Sox. That would be kind of cool. LCS. Uh, teams that made the playoffs in 2021 that won't in 2022, or just one team. Uh, are you gonna yeah, go with the, the Astros? Astros? Are my pick. I think that they're just headed in the wrong direction. It's tough to lose a World Series the way they did. Uh, and yeah, I, I just, I think that the Mariners are going to overtake it and there are better teams in the AL East that are going to win a lot of games. And then the AL central, I think the white Sox are going to win it all or win, win the central again and have a pretty significant lead there too. So the Astros by kind of default to the fact, the other league is the rest of the league is going to be getting a lot of wins. I think they're going to be the ones to fall out of the playoff contention. So I am going to go – I'm very worried right now. I might change this. This probably will get changed over the course of the offseason. But I have a big question mark for the Giants. Um, do you know they're on, they only have one starting pitcher who is under contract right now that's of their scary. current rotation? That would be Logan Webb. That's, that's a good place to start. But um, you just don't know what the starting rotation is going to be. So that's a big question mark. Uh, the bullpen is pretty set. But then you go to the position players and, you know, you don't know, like – 
are these resurgent years just one-offs for guys like Brandon Crawford and, I mean, you know, uh, guys like Lamont Wade and Darren Ruff? Like, are they just one-offs or is this who they're going to be moving forward? If this is who they're going to be moving forward, I think they're still a playoff team because they could be, you know, hypothetically, what, like 15 wins worse than they were this year and still be a playoff team, which gives them a nice little cushion. But it's the free agents of the pitchers. Like, Brandon Belt is a free agent. I don't, I don't know where he's going to go, and that's obviously a big uh, thumper in the lineup for the Giants. Now Buster Posey retires, so that leaves a hole at catcher, and that leaves a hole uh, from just, like, a leadership perspective. He is the leader of the team, and, like, I think he's caught, like, 11 or 12, something like that, postseason shutouts, like, just to show the impact he's had as a catcher. So I just have a lot of questions about this Giants team for this year specifically that I kind of need to be answered just in the Yeah, I, I think it's a fair argument, um, and uh, it's something definitely to monitor as well. Uh, just for, uh, you know, the ideas of those that are interested in betting ahead of time, too, uh, on those San Francisco Giants right now, they have plus 1,600 odds. Uh, to win the 2022 World Series. Uh, the Dodgers are currently the favorite. The Astros are second in that list. The Braves third. I think that uh, the Braves should probably find themselves first in that department. So plus 900 in that area. If you're going to look at uh, odds as a whole, and this is also via uh, Caesars Sportsbook as of November the 2nd. So obviously it's going to be ever-changing. Uh, I'm just going to say right now, the uh, the Seattle Mariners at uh, plus uh, 50. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of like what I see right there. And uh, also, this is the first time ever that you can place a bet, and I wouldn't recommend it, on the Cleveland Guardians. So just want to oh, throw God. that one out there also. They are officially the Cleveland Guardians. Hey, they did pick up the option on Jose Ramirez, so step in the right direction for that. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of Booze and Baseball. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. Social media at Booze and Baseball. Email us, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. Thanks to Mixkit for the stock music. Thanks to Man Cave Merch for the coasters. And if you want a coaster fresh off the World Series or maybe headed into the offseason, use code BNB15, that's BNB15, to get 15% off your order with Man Cave Merch. Drink responsibly and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Later, and happy 2021 season.